0: Hello, welcome to In The Pink, the podcast with me, Natalie Pinkham, where I speak to all sorts of different people from all sorts of different backgrounds, find out where they've come from and where they hope to go to. This week, my guest is Michael Carrick. And Michael has played over 400 times for the biggest football club in the world. And yet, he's one of the most down-to-earth, level-headed blokes you're ever likely to meet. To mark the release of his autobiography, Between the Lines, I went up to their Carrington training ground in Manchester to catch up with him. He opened up about his family, his time at West Ham, Spurs and, of course, Manchester United. He talked candidly to me about his heart condition and about dealing with the onset of depression after defeat in the 2009 Champions League final. Here is views on Alex Ferguson and Jose Mourinho and his own hopes as a coach and manager. He also has a love for Formula One, so he tells me about his hopes to apply some of the practices of the pit lane to the beautiful game. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr Michael Carrick. Well, Michael, I think the last time I saw you was um, at an absolutely packed Old Trafford for your testimonial. And it was amazing because it wasn't long after the Manchester Arena bombing and you were able to fill that arena because it would have been an easy excuse for people to say, do you know what, I'm not going to come. But you were able to complete sell-out, 75,000 at Old Trafford. Did you walk out onto that pitch and just feel... A little bit emotional when you think Wolves' end boy has just ended up here and sold out Old Trafford. You've just got the most amazing lineup of players as well because it was the 2008, 2008 Champions, Champions League, League winners League, yeah. versus an all stars. Yeah. As if there weren't enough stars in that one. Yeah.
1: No, Joe. It was. Um, yeah, it was definitely emotional. It was um, the hardest thing I'd done by quite some way was to actually organise and produce the testimonial as a game. Anyway. Um, and then a week before we got a call to say the concert was was going to happen at the cricket ground the Ario Grande concert Um, and they kind of clashed so then there was a big stress of trying to work out of um, obviously we had planned this for for months and months you know and it was like they were saying you've got to cancel it to start with I was like you can't just cancel it people are travelling from everywhere this and that whatever but then obviously I was well aware of what the Concert meant to to everyone in Manchester and, and further afield, so it was kind of come to some arrangement really, where both could be a success. And, and thankfully, yeah, on that walking out that tunnel when it was, you know, pretty full Old Trafford, and then kind of hits you of, of of what it all means, you know, because mm-hmm. up until then it's all like planning and, and guessing and hoping for the best, and then actually when it finally happened, it's like, wow, well, uh, yeah. Walking out with my kids was pretty special.
0: But when the bombing happened, did you think you were going to have to call it off?
1: Yeah, well, like you said, there was there was calls to call it off at one stage. Um, oh, so so I thought you the,
0: meant before the bombing. No, was because be, it was a no, clash. It,
1: it was because of the concert. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, there, there it must was, have been heightened
0: security. I remember you weren't yeah. allowed to take bags in. It was all very no, tight was, security, it was, wasn't it? It was
1: really tight. Yeah, and, um, yeah, that was yeah, that was. It was a tough time for everyone, mm-hmm. I think, in Manchester. It's like anything when it, it's so close to home and mm-hmm. it becomes so much more real and so much more close to you. That um, it's harder to, to take, but it's in some ways it's easier to understand. So, um, you know that what people go through and mm-hmm. and, and how it affects people. Um, and actually, there was. Um, some of the victims' families were at the game that were mm. invited to the game and I went and seen them before the game uh in the box and um, had a chat to them and um, yeah, that was tough to to speak to them and, and to be in that situation of um almost feeling a little bit helpless if i 'm honest mm. um, but yeah, then spoke to them and, and, and had the firefighters there the police there and, and so there was there was a big connection with and I think it brought Manchester together, but it just happened that my game was kind of in the middle of it, and then mm-hmm. the concert after it, which was literally a few hundred yards down the road at the cricket ground. Um, so it was a pretty, pretty momentous day, really.
0: Mm. Well, as I say, it was a testament to you that that people came, um, and and the players that played were incredible, and obviously this is all a celebration of your. Phenomenal, uh, phenomenal commitment to Manchester United, 464 games? Yeah,
1: that's right, yeah.
0: Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't get that from Wikipedia, I promise. <laughs> uh, but but also, you know, you've won every kind of domestic honour there is in the English game. So did, did it feel to you, this, like, I don't know, that this was your moment just to let it all sink in?
1: Um, yeah, in some ways. I was obviously hugely proud about it to... to um, but then a lot you know, the lot of lads then we talk you're talking about there, you're kind of just teammates, mates, you know, friends that I've had for, for so long. And if anything it was just I said to Lisa, uh, my wife leading up to the game, in some ways the, the most thing the thing I was looking forward to most was being in the changements before the game in, in the warm up getting changed and just flicking back into that ten years ago and in, in that kind of old environment that we had and um and it didn't disappoint you know I sat there and had a little moment and seen the boys getting changed and messing around and laughing and doing the things exactly the same as they had done that long before kick-off 10 years ago and um, that was quite nice to to, to take that in and um, just suck so it on for the lads to be back together again because it's like any sport you win something you move on you know you move on as an individual as a team as a, as a sport things happen, happening so to, to, to kind of bring it back we didn't have everyone there, but most were there, and the staff, and the backroom staff, which was just as important in my eyes. So it was it was a special special moment.
0: Right. So you've written a book. This is you know an exciting. Well, I haven't actually written car. it. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't know because when I read well, I it, it, I yeah, I, think, I felt like it was you talking. I quite like that. It was quite colloquial. You well, that's, chattered. That's, that's Best the thing
1: you could have said to me, to be honest, because that was what I really wanted to get across. That it was. Yeah, just me talking. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm quite chuffed with that. It, it took a while. It was another. It was as long as a t- testimonial. The book was so much more draining and consuming than I thought it would have been going into it. Um, maybe that's a bit of my personality and a bit picky and meticulous. <laughs> and once it got to the stage, I was like, I'm not happy with that. I've got to change that. Change that. Change that. I ended up ra- doing some of it just myself. But Henry Winter was amazing. Then. He never got sick of me saying, can you change this, can you change that? So uh, in the end, I'm, I'm delighted with how it's come.
0: Well, it's got to be right, hasn't it? It's got to
1: be, yeah. It's probably the only one I'll do. and um, Yeah, it's got to be right. And just me, I'm just kind of that way. And if I'm yeah. doing something. I'm, it's, it's got to be right, you know.
0: Did Did you enjoy the process? I mean, yes, OK, quite tiring, but actually quite nice to get your life down on paper.
1: Yeah, looking back to it, little things like it, when you've asking family and friends, like, can you remember anything before back then? And they give me a little bit, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And, um, so we live in quite a bit of the things that... you got a vague memory of when you're little as a kid, but until you really start chatting to people, things start coming back a little bit more. And, um, so that was really enjoyable. Mm. Um, and some of the things was kind of the first time I'd really spoken about, sat down and spoken about to anyone. So cleansing seems a bit extreme to describe Mm. it like that but you know what I mean it kind of was the first time that I maybe got some things off my chest so um that was quite nice in a way Mm. but yeah I I enjoyed it I really enjoyed it from start to finish but I found it quite tough at times
0: Mm. bit of therapy um you, you described yourself just then as meticulous in the book you describe yourself as clinical quite objective also shy pops up a few times um does all that sum you up quite well anything else you want to add to that (laughs) <laughs> I've covered it off. Yeah, how long we got? Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> this is another therapy <laughs> session, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, shy was probably more when I was younger. I think I, I wouldn't say I was shy. I'm probably a bit more reserved. Probably reserved a bit as I've grown and, and matured a little bit. But yeah, certainly when I was a kid, I was really quite shy and a bit naive, really. Um, but yeah, I can be quite stubborn and quite cold at times. So I'm told. And um, especially when I was playing, I think when when I was so focused on. Um, being at my best and performing, I was, I was quite stubborn with that and what I needed to do. So um, I had a family around me that kind of allowed me to do that. So um, I, was, I was quite lucky with that.
0: How do you think your personality has determined your, your destiny in terms of your career? Because you say you're shy, but you were still brave enough to go all the way down and sign for West Ham, which is a long way for a, for a teenage boy to, to go.
1: Yeah it is and I look now I think that was a big move that, yeah. really at the time it was um, I just loved West Ham when I was I went when I was 13, 14 and I just really enjoyed it and felt at home there so it wasn't it um, wasn't really a decision to make it was just mm. it felt natural until I, actually the day I kind of moved there and then the, the, the weeks once I did get there when I was 15 it was kind of a bit of a. oh this is of a move This is a bit different. I'm not used to this. It's a bit different to Newcastle, you know, I was a lot more protected up there. But and then initially, a few weeks later, I was fine, it was kind of normal, it was natural again. So at the time I it's only now when I look back and my mom says, you know, she lost me as I was a fifteen year old because I moved to London. my brother Aww. actually four years up four years later, he had done the same thing. He went to West Ham when he was fifteen and moved away. So it was a bit harsh on my mum to Aww. to lose both her boys, but um, that's life, in it I suppose.
0: <laughs> I think that's got to be the hardest thing about being a parent mm. is when your kids leave. You have to redefine yourself, but mm. that's enough a podcast for another day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but w- what about your parents' influence on your life? Because you say you had a nice, calm upbringing. You know that you always felt secure and loved. How important yeah, is that?
1: Ma- massively, I think that's the the biggest thing I could say. I was, I mean, we, we we didn't have everything by any means. Um, I wouldn't say we, we struggled, but we, you know, my dad worked away quite a lot to, um, to give us the life we had. But I was just happy. I remember, you know, when mm. you look back, and the best thing I think for me and, and what I tried to do with my kids now is just for them to look back and think, you know, I was happy as a child and I enjoyed doing the things I did, and there was, you know, trying to make less things affect them, and mm. uh, obviously letting them grow and develop because you, you got to grow up, and you don't want to pamper them and and, and Spoil them or anything like that, but I just remember being happy, and um, there was never any pressure to do anything apart from my schoolwork.
0: That's the coffee machine, by the way. <laughs> it wasn't Michael's stomach? Amen, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: there was never any pressure for them football-wise. Um, it was just a case of you can go to football if your schoolwork's done, um, but there was never at all any pressure of before or after a game from from my mum and dad about do this, do that you didn't play well today you done great today it was just kind of a level did you enjoy it go and have fun and yeah. um, I think that helped me immensely
0: It's funny isn't it because you always think of like top sportsmen and women they've got these like parents like really yeah. pushing them every yeah. step of the way and actually yeah. sometimes I've that has the, that. <laughs> yeah. i <I'm, laughs> I know I'm, I'm sure seeing, you have
1: I think we all have it at, yeah. at some stage yeah
0: but That can have the, the adverse effect on
1: it, so yeah. I was going to say, that I've seen plenty of them, and, and by the time sort of the, the lads get to a certain age, it's almost like they've had enough, they're burnt yeah, out, they yeah. can't take it anymore yeah. because that fun element's just gone out yeah. of it. Um, don't get me wrong, listen, it comes to a point where that, that fun element does taper off because it becomes, becomes a, a job, you know, you're making a living and, and there's pressures and all sorts of things, but I think. If you're taking away a kid's childhood, it's, it's just not something that I, I agree with, to be honest.
0: But that real family ethos, certainly something that was coming through West Ham the whole time. And is, is that why you loved it so much? Because you were definitely part of a, of a gang of real characters when you were there, and almost like your version of the class of '92. You know all sorts of a mix of you know Rio, Joe Cole. You um, even had Decanio, My God, I used to grow yeah, yeah, up yeah, yeah, yeah. being so I intrigued by him. It, no, he didn't yeah. quite fit. But, but, but what was it like being part of it?
1: I loved it. I really did. I think because I was kind of shy and naive as a as, as a as a kid, um, going to West End was the, was the best thing I'd done to move away and, mm. and grow up uh, and experience kind of a different world. Really different characters, um, big big characters. And just so different to me uh, that it did change me. I wouldn't, you know, I am what I am, and you you know, that's your personality is set that way. But at the same time, um, going into that dressing room was daunting at times. Some of the characters, like, and it it was different then, you know, it was a bit old school then. So, you know, you could almost, um, there's punishments and things that went on then. don't think I want to (laughs) know. I'm trying to figure Initiations, myself, yeah. yeah, I bet. Yeah, oh just, my it, was just, it was just more ruthless, I think, as an environment than mm. it is now. It's a lot more friendly and a, more, a lot more accommodating, I think.
0: Well, it they didn't have social good. media back then, so don't you couldn't be exposed.
1: <laughs> yeah, it could get up to things. Maybe that HR wouldn't be too happy with no, these exactly. days. No, um, exactly. But yeah, I was just growing up. And I, and I remember going back after six months back to Newcastle and, and um, realising then how much I'd kind of grown up so fast see my mates and they were doing the sim- similar things that I had done when I left going to college sixth form and stuff um, and I realised I had jumped quite ahead of them in terms of um, as I was as a person really mm. um, still my best mates and still are today so th- oh, that's, <coughs> that's not changed but you can see you see the difference with me in six months so uh, it was a, it was a massive massive kind of crossroads in my life I think that.
0: And they called you Spuggy? Spuggy? Yeah. Spuggy? Spuggy yeah. But Aaron, Spuggy was a girl. I know
1: yeah. <laughs> I don't know where it came about <coughs> to be honest.
0: Little ginger kid from Biker little Grove. ginger
1: kid Biker Grove yeah.
0: Quite um, cute, I thought she was cute but I mean I don't know. Apart from the alien. accent I'm not sure I see any similarities. <laughs> Even,
1: <laughs> Even the accent of mine's gone yeah, now a little
0: it's bit. It's been knocked out. Yeah you. it's been gone now, it's oh, been too long.
1: But yeah just something that um, when I was 14, 15 the lads just that's the only thing that at the time they knew that was probably from Newcastle so oh. and it stuck from then
0: um, and then moving forward fast forwarding to your move to Spurs did that was that born out of the fact that you just needed to get Premier League football again were you just sort of over championship after rele- relegation
1: yeah it was just a time where I said about crossroads there about moving to West Ham Tottenham was one of them as well I got in the first team um, had some good times then we got relegated um and I was wasn't playing great Ivon mm. I was only 21 at the time 22 um still a baby really um, and it was just a case of I, I needed to for my own mm. career really and um I needed to try and get back to the top and that was the that was the move that came about it, at that certain time it, there was all sorts of things that could have happened at that yeah. time different clubs different if this had happened then I might have gone there if someone else had done and it, when i look back now i realize that actually that was a pivotal time in my career yeah. that because i could have easily gone down some other path and i was close to going Portsmouth for instance yeah. and then they um and what,
0: why didn't that happen?
1: <clears throat> Portsmouth didn't happen because Arsenal came in right at, um overnight and then arsenal pulled out so that didn't go Portsmouth or arsenal as it happened and then tottenham came in after that so it was just um sequence of events that mm. was out of my control but led to shaping up kind mm, of mm. how how my life would go after that which at the time you don't really you're just going along with it yeah. and it's so when you look back you know I think actually things could have been a, an awful lot different
0: yeah sliding door moment yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you view the club now do you feel that um that Spurs have got the financial backing that they need to really battle it out with the big boys do you think they can sustain uh, that level of performance. I think
1: they're in a good place. Obviously, the, the training ground um, is very good. The the new stadium um, being close to completion now is is a big thing for them. Um, I think the key is, is always keeping hold of your best players and improving whatever team you are. You want to keep your best players and, and improve that squad. Um, and they're at that stage now, you know, to, trying to win something, mm. trying to trying to achieve something. Um, Certainly, all the blocks there are, are in place for them. Mm. It's just that next step, isn't it? It's like every, what everyone's trying to achieve of winning trophies is kind of where you're judged.
0: Which is exactly why you moved to Manchester United. How hard a decision was that? Was it head versus heart?
1: That was probably the easiest decision, I think. It really? was, wasn't even a decision. It was just as soon as they came calling, it was the only thing that that um, I just had to get here. You know, it was one of them ties that at the time United were first and second every year in the league um, and at Tottenham we were, we had finished fifth in the league so although we were getting closer we, there was still a big gap and I mean it was just for two years before that I was playing in the Championship with West Ham and then for United to come in it was just like what a summer that was and,
0: and they paid a lot for you didn't they they obviously they wanted you much at you. the time yeah <laughs> I don't know what they were paying that much at the
1: time now it looks a bit of a snip when you yeah. compare yeah, it well, to I'm these actually, prices yeah, yeah. but at the time, I was thinking, I can't believe they paid that for me, to be honest. Um, but yeah, they did. Daniel Levy, the chairman of Tottenham at the time, kind of uh, stretched it out and stretched yeah. it out and got all the pennies that he could get. So fair play to him. And, uh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, Now it was. It was the summer. It was at the World Cup with England as well. So it was a, it was a crazy summer to mm. be at the World Cup and getting a call off Sir Alex to say, you know, we're going to come. Don't worry. We'll hang in there. We'll get you and, Um thankfully in the end it all all happened quite nicely
0: so go on, describe the emotions of walking in because I, I can anyone would uh feel nervous about walking into his office on on day one how did you feel as the new boy yeah i
1: was anxious i mean coming in here anyway you know walking into the training yes. ground anyway is like it's it's quite a big um kind of compared to tottenham at the time it was a small oh. training ground in Chigwell. this stepping into this felt like a different world and um Yeah, I was kind of anxious, a little bit nervous. Um, I knew a few of the boys before, but through England, but not to the extent of Mm. being like really close to them. So it was. And Sir Alex, I hadn't really met him until I came to the training ground. Um, Mm. Finding my way around this place is odd enough, anyway, with all the doors and where do you go and where's
0: whatever. But oh, when you come down, because I just came down in a cab from Stockport Station, yeah. and it feels like really clandestine, like you, you're going to like MI5 or something, <laughs> that you go down this long kind it's of driveway, yeah. really tucked away, yeah. yeah. But it just adds to the intrigue and the mystique of yeah, the place, doesn't and,
1: it? And just coming in was, yeah, so finding me, <laughs> finding my way around, was, there's codes on all the doors and everything. Yeah. And, it's, so that was probably the biggest problem. But yes, yeah, so sitting in Sir Alex's office that first day was... It was kind of a one of them moments where you think, is this really, is this really happening? Or am I really sitting here? Mm. And, and at the same time, intimidating. You know, he's got such an aura. Mm. Um, even now, he's still got that mm. aura. That how do you describe it? It's very tough when people ask me about it, how would you describe when someone's just they just carry themselves yeah. and they just give off something that yeah. affects people around them. You know, mm.
0: it's amazing uh, to see him back to good health as well, isn't it? I mean, that, that was
1: incredible. That yeah, that was bloody close. Yeah, it was. Um, it's incredible to see where he is now mm. we've seen him the other week and he looks great so um, yeah I mean it's, it's sh- the response and the support that he got mm. over that time mm. was kind of blows your mind the amount of people that he affected it was was just I mean who else in the world is almost can touch that many people there's yeah. not many people yeah. he's, he's right up there as a, as a one of the most important people which is yeah. Mind-boggling, really. Yeah,
0: quite like across all the clubs, mm. absolutely. Um, so, bearing all that in mind, how tough was it for you that, and how much of a shock was it for you that he chose to leave? Was that twenty thirteen? Uh, it was Twenty thirteen. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it was a bit of a shock. I mean, it was coming to he obviously wasn't getting any younger as as, mm. as as a as a manager as well, and um, there was there was there was always talk at some point for two in a mm. season of was this his last year or, what, or how long has he got left? But certainly that came by surprise and. Mm. and um i remember when he told we've, we've as it does nowadays news kind of leaked out and mm. filtered out the night before so um i know he was disappointed with that he wanted to tell us first and he came into the changing room and um here actually in one and on the, the morning and, and broke the news to us mm. kind of officially and told us um and that was kind of a moment i'll never forget it was quite a strong moment um and do you know the weirdest thing I said in my book? Actually, weird Do you only remember crazy things from certain? I don't know why I remember. I just remember he had some like bright. He had some uh, socks like really bright socks on. I don't know why <laughs> I remember. He had. He came in really casually He was never normally casual. He was either a suit or a tracksuit. Yeah. But he came in like, Gino's loafers and a t-shirt and he had some like really bright socks and i remember just looking at him thinking, socks are horrendous <laughs> <laughs> did you but tell I, him that but no, no, no,
0: the no biggest the, the no biggest was day wrong. you know well, just coming why do you remember that yeah. well you probably just, you're probably a bit focused on them as a sort of distraction te- technique from yeah. not, not yeah. having to face up to the big news i don't know Wait, psychologists would tell you well, why I you did
1: i knew i think we all sensed at that point that you could feel like um the emotion, kind of yeah. like, tension in the room, if you like, and yeah. it was everyone knew like this is this is yeah, such yeah. a big moment. Um
0: But it's funny how colours and smells take you back to something. Yeah, this is you balance, do just pick say, up yeah. on this one thing. Yeah. Um I don't want to digress too much, but I'll tell you one really quick story. My mum's a lawyer, a barrister, and one of her clients um, would freak out if they came into the room and there were flowers in the room. She bought right. her some flowers, and mm. there were some flowers in the room. And she'd just freak out with the colour and the right. smell of these flowers. Anyway, she did a bit of um, CBD, the you know, the cognitive... Like, hypnosis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, yeah. And they established that she was a victim of domestic violence. She went running from her abusive husband, and she ran onto the road. As she was hit, about to get hit by the car, she inhaled the smell of pink flowers. Oh, great. Right. And That's forevermore... Right. <laughs> The, the smell and the sight of those took her to that moment. Oh, isn't that bonkers? And she didn't, nice, right? she didn't know that didn't that's know. why she was scared of flowers. Crazy what the brain happens, can do, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Anyway.
1: So that's why the sock
0: sticks with me there you then. Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, your th- that's your theory answered in a very roundabout way. <laughs> what do I know? Um And then what about his successor? Because anyone is going to find those shoes very big to fill. And you, you've talked You've spoken before about feeling a bit sorry for Moyes that it was um, it was always going to be tough for him, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was always great. it was tough for anyone. I think because it, the club was so set in its ways and so stable with mm. Sir Alex and David Gill being um, chief executive uh, for so long, and both leaving together, there was there was there was always going to be change in some way, and it was just how it was dealt with. But um, I think it was for the players as well a lot of us have been here for a long time with them mm. Some, most of the lads longer than me even so it was the whole thing just kind of got unsettled and um, unfortunately you know it, it, that season just didn't work for us as mm. players I mean I'm the first one to blame myself so you know before you blame anyone else I think mm. you've got to look at yourself and that was me and you, it's just frustrating and kind of you think all that work to put in so long to yeah. establish that and then it, it can um can be affected so quickly
0: But you also said that you were quite hurt when people said the players weren't trying and I guess that's a really easy accusation to make and, and you know you, looking at recent results here at the club I know a lot of p- people are throwing that around about the current crop of players Is I mean is it fair from the outside to look in and say that because they we, none of us know what goes on behind the scenes no,
1: I mean what's fair I don't uh, it, mm. you're there to you, you're, you know it's playing for Man United you know that you're there the scrutiny's there the expectation everything's there and you've got to deal with it both ways you know when when things are well you're getting you're getting all the pats on the back um, and you can enjoy their moments and then from the flip side when it doesn't quite go so well no matter how big or small then there's criticism and, mm. and however fair the criticism is you're going to get criticised and you kind of got to deal with it it's just the one of like the passion and the when they say you're not trying it's mm. And everyone has good days and bad mm. days. Um, I think that's the the key is the best stay at that level for for longer over a period of time, really. And and, and we had done for so long. And for me personally, I can, only, I can you can only speak for yourself in this situation. Mm. But I, I was trying everything, if not probably too hard because things weren't going well. So you start overthinking it. What am I doing wrong? What when I'm playing well? What was what was I doing that worked? And. Mm. Um, and you end up doing things like maybe you wouldn't normally do and
0: what, just trying too hard maybe trying
1: too hard mm. and you' kind of overthinking it then and, and sometimes you just you know confidence or belief mm. or something or you just you're just not playing well mm. for whatever reason mm. i um,
0: think I think though at the moment you know in layman's terms, if someone watches the t v and feels that a player can turn it on when they want to but they don't always choose to, that's mm-hmm. when fans have a problem, I'm thinking obviously of Paul Pogba, mm-hmm. like that back heel that saved the game against Newcastle yeah. recently, you know the guy's incredible talent mm-hmm. but they want to see it more, especially with the price tag that he came with, they want to see it week in, week out
1: as, as, a, as, a, as a player, like I say any top player, but you know I've, I find it easier to speak about this club I think you, you just, the expectations there and the scrutiny's there and Nowadays, every little move you make, every facial expression, everything is just mm. people leap on it and judge it. Um, but, you know, the lads are humans. You know, They're human beings. You make mistakes. You do good things. You make you do things that you shouldn't do. Um, it's frustrating. It's frustrating for us. Frust- when I, for me, playing, it's frustrating more f- for me personally when I wasn't playing well. Never mind the criticism which was coming. I think mm. it's more frustrating from within because you know that what am I doing I can do so much better it's not working and you kind of yeah you try and second guess it and you try and overthink it that's a, the easiest way I can explain it and then by doing that you complicate things and, and then it goes downhill but certainly the trying one I think it's just it's probably too easy to throw like oh he's not trying or mm-hmm. it's, it's it's definitely not the case when you stand there and you look the lads in their eyes or you see them after a game in the changing room um, and me being there myself that feeling it gives you is the empty feeling, the, the disappointment, um, and you take it home with you. You know, you t- you, as much as I've tried over the years to not take it home and, and affect the family type, it, even if you're not showing it, it's there in your head constantly. And mm. walking down the street, you, people are looking at you, and you think, I've oh, got be on Saturday," and you, you mm. just can't get away from that feeling. Yeah,
0: it consumes all your thoughts, and as you say. There's no hiding place, you know. No, particularly no. now with social media, and as you say, every single camera angle is picking yeah. up on everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's no getting away from it, and that's. Some people enjoy it. Some people embrace it. Mm. Some people struggle with it. And that's that's the biggest difference I felt coming here was the, how much it takes over your life mm. rather than. Tottenham was a kind of a. I could play a good game every two or three games, if if that's how it went, and people would say, "Oh, he's a good player," but come here and you just can't get away with that. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so you've either got to, go with it, or, you fall by the wayside.
0: Mm. Um, Now, I want to talk about Mourinho coming to the club. I'm not skipping over Van Gaal because I know Van Gaal, but I know that he was just a very different person. You say that you learnt a lot from, he's a pretty intense guy, Um, but let's get to Mourinho because that's more interesting. (laughs) You're talking about, you really kind of wax lyrical about how excited you were about him coming, that he's obviously got an incredible proven record. And he's somebody that you have obviously uh, worked a lot with as a player and then a coach. Um, Just tell us... First of all, about the signing of Mourinho because this is when Sky F1 gets a mention in the book. <laughs> yeah, so did, Sky yeah. Sports F1, because you were in Monaco for the Grand Prix, you're yeah. a big F1 fan, yeah. and this is when you first heard a whisper that uh, Mourinho might be coming.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember actually. I had um, I was with your husband weren't I actually yeah. that time. <laughs> um, the less said about that, the better. Yeah, I probably. Reckon. But we, um,
0: you were just on a jolly, whereas we were trying to work hard. Yeah,
1: you were trying to work. <laughs> yeah. So you say. Yeah. But um, so yeah, we had been out the night before. Um, at this stage, I didn't have a club. I, I was didn't think I was at United, and then I was doing an interview. Um, the next morning, and, and Sky was a little bit worse for wear actually. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't show. <laughs> on you. the on the Probably. energy station, blurry eyes. But um, yeah, and they were asking me about Jose in, in United, and I I said yeah. I've looks like um, a good move I think it's, he's obviously a great manager he's done so much blah 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 and then uh, when I got home from Monaco, then I got a call off Jose to say um, that he wanted me to, to stay on at United so uh, there you go Sky F1 got the, we got, the exclusive. got the first one yeah there you go <laughs> who
0: knew a football exclusive would be broken on an F1 channel there you go um, but how has your relationship sort of evolved from being a player to a coach and does he come to you for advice? Does he delegate quite a lot to you
1: he's been he 's been fantastic with me he 's given me um you know the situation i'm in at the moment it's often my first job after being a player so there 's a huge element of kind of learning and trying to shop up as much as I can to improve myself but at the same time to a job you know there's a responsibility there so he's um, he 's been great with me he's given me he 's given me plenty of things to do he 's given me um, at the same time he 's trying to help me and, and mm. Develop, sort of what I can over time, and um, I couldn't have asked any more from him. He's he's to give me this opportunity. Anyways, is, is kind of I never thought you'd get this from um, stepping straight out of football to be involved with the first team. So that in itself is is massive for me, but. Um,
0: he said he want, wished that you were ten years younger. So he obviously really valued you as a player. Mm. Wanted to get another decade out of you on the pitch first.
1: Yeah, I kind of wished I was ten years <laughs> <laughs> younger. <laughs> no, we all do, mate. Well, we <laughs> all do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, 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 it's, there's element of that, and I, I think you've just got you just got to accept where you're at as well. Mm. You know, like even when the last couple of years playing, I kind of knew like, look, look, this is um, this times times going ticking, times up, and especially after I had the heart kind of. Mm. Um, Condition. It was, that was it. It was decision was made. So I think my biggest one was I don't want to be sitting here when I'm forty, forty-five, fifty, still talking. About, oh, I was a footballer. <laughs> I want to be like have something else to yeah. you know. Whether it's football or whether it's something totally different, I always had that focus of right. I can't be sitting here thinking I'm, I'm still a footballer when I'm forty-five years old. Mm-hmm. I've got to move on, and my, my life's got so much more to do. Mm-hmm. So, um,
0: in the words I've, of Anna and Elsa, let uh, it go
1: let it go yeah I won't sing it but yeah let it go <laughs> it's a
0: really hard song to sing actually <laughs> my kids always try and get me to do it it's impossible Yeah, it's not, anyway, it's not an easy one <laughs> it's not catchy no. <laughs> um, so, so what are your duties as a coach what do you actually do on a day to day basis here
1: support the manager basically um, get, in, get in about um, quarter past eight of the morning um, help plan the session for the day the training session plan ahead for the next game um, whatever he whatever he needs uh, you there to support obviously offer suggestions when in, when it's right and um, yeah just support's the biggest one I think to, mm. uh, as well as learning for me I'm trying to it's a lot over the first two or three months was quite new for me so it's um, a lot of people think you know you're a player and you kind of know exactly what's going on as soon as you step over to that coaching and in that office it's a totally different ball game uh, and you see things totally differently and mm. uh, my day to day is massively different and how I prepare for a game and all sorts so um, it's been a, a huge learning curve
0: and at the moment what does supporting Jose mean because obviously <clears throat> before the Newcastle result things were looking really tricky what advice were you able to give him if any
1: No, I think he's a big enough really big enough man to, to know exactly what, um, what the business brings and um, he's, he's been doing it for so long being so successful that he knows what works and what doesn't and yeah,
0: but there's no escaping the fact that it was on no, like the really, worst track record in 29 years. I
1: think that's, I guess, go, go back to a bit as a player, for me mm. as a player, when you're here, that's kind of, this club, that's what it brings, that's mm. what the pressure brings both ways, and um, it's something you've got to deal with, I mean, everyone, as players and as staff and as a club, you know, you suffer, of course you do, you yeah. can't hide from it, you suffer, but, um, you know, obviously the Newcastle game was a big game for us, and, mm. um
0: I mean, when you were 2 0 down, what were you thinking? Because we were like.
1: I was actually convinced we'd win.
0: Even when you were 2 0 yeah, down? I was down.
1: convinced we'd win, yeah. I thought. Um, that's it. That's... <laughs> I love it. Positive <laughs> attitude. No, I was genuinely. I remember but saying why? on the bench, don't know why. What? What? Where's that? It's just that sense, that feeling. I don't know. I just thought, you know what? I've, it was kind of. We had Obviously, we had a disastrous start and to be too long down so early. In some ways, it was kind of. Um, you could only go one way then we we had to go for it and, I, and mm. I just I just felt that I thought the I thought the lads were fantastic, the character, you know, it's not an easy place to, to be when you mm. um when you're out there and things aren't going well and, and you know, you gotta show a bit of balls as I say and mm. um I thought they did that. And I yeah, I just I just believed, you know, I just believe I think you've got to be positive, you know, you gotta um sometimes it's weird, sometimes you get a sense in game. I don't know as a player, sometimes you know, it could look like the 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 roof's caving in. Sometimes you just sense that actually, you know what, we're going to win, going to win, and I don't know where that comes from. And then there's other times where you might be, you might be quite comfortable in a game, but there's this little sense of uneasiness, a little mm. bit about like that. I don't know where that comes from, but certainly the Newcastle game was one of them where I thought, no we're, we're going to be all right. Yeah.
0: So maybe the, the goals sort of shocked them into action.
1: Maybe, just, yeah, but like I said, before, you know, sometimes you have good games and bad games. Yeah. You know, and you have a run of bad games, and it's, of course, it's, it's not ideal it's not good enough and the standards that you know over time you've got to be better and all sorts of things but it's a human element you know Mm. sport isn't it you Mm. know um seeing it in all different sports that good teams lose games and Mm. and go through a patch where it doesn't doesn't happen you just it's about getting back to that that's what tests you you know Mm. i've always found that the the tough times i learn the most from um both for myself and people around me Mm. um that's kind of always been the case so um, you enjoy the good times when they come
0: mm. um, maybe I don't know what you think about the, maybe maybe one of the issues is that a lot of it has been played out in public the the, the problems at, at the club because certainly in F1 when minute it goes public it becomes a problem and it starts swilling around and everyone feels like they can just throw mm. their opinion in
1: yeah yeah, F one's pretty extreme with that as well, yeah, isn't Unbelievable. It? Yeah.
0: The minute and, and, yeah. and because the paddock's such a small place, mm. one person speaks out of turn was mm. a bit indiscreet, that's it. It blows up yeah. to being this massive storm. And it just feels It intrigues
1: like, me that paddock, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so intriguing. Like you say, everything's just so condensed into that the whole sport is just there for that four or five days. Yeah. The gossip and everything that's going yeah. on. It's just it's intense. Isn't so it? different to that like, kind of—I think that's what intrigues me a bit about it. It's so different to what I'm used to and what how we work. Like, like you say, one thing said, to, so somebody sees someone talking to someone, and it's like, boom, it's gone. Yeah. And it just goes mad doing it for yeah. the weekend. Yeah.
0: yeah. But there's there's a lot of cross pollination between football and F1. Do you think there are lessons that can be shared? Um.
1: What, in terms for the sport, you mean, or just and more I'm not just
0: talking about the partying afterwards, <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: not quite the same in football, no, too. No, that is no way, you can get away with it. No, um, for me personally, I, I, I'm fascinated with drivers as well. I've, mm. Um, and just kind of how are you lost sticking the microphone in the face just before mm-hmm. race, and then they got to get in the car and zone into that first corner, and I just and perform just like that we just uh, we're taken away for uh, the night before and don't see anyone until we walk out pretty much Mm. to warm up for the game we don't speak to anyone with interviews or there's a one quick one for one person and then that's it but it's just so different I still don't know how they're with the circus of the grid it's just mental but um, so that's something that I've always kind of looked at and thought how did they do with that Um, it's just so different but mm. it's pure mental, isn't it? It's, mm. it's, yeah, it's
0: yeah I, I listen, I totally agree. I always feel really uncomfortable. To, but I know the drivers that I, I think can it's approach. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. it's great for the I, fans. i yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I know they always don't give you almost that yeah. on the grid, yeah. a little bit, whatever, but... <laughs> Sometimes you get, and you know, it's just to speak to them and yeah. to be in that position, is fascinating. Yeah, so it's amazing. I'm all for it when I'm not involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I was a driver, I'd probably think a bit different. Yeah. But then I kind of, it's just what they used to, isn't it?
0: But it's funny because they there's certain little tells that they'll give to yeah. say, you know, they'll put get their headphones own. on or whatever, or they just give you a look and you know. But there's also certain drivers that I just know never to go to, but yeah. just before, and there's others that are quite open to it. Yeah. And in a way, they kind of want that distraction without being too lost in their thoughts before yeah, yeah, racing at, that, yeah. you know, yeah. 250 miles well, then an hour. Yeah
1: they're kind of used to it as well. Yeah, because it's just, always been there. That's just how it, is, yeah. isn't
0: it? Yeah. And uh, loads of people criticise F1 for being elitist and sort of, you know, inaccessible. But yeah, that's the most accessible thing of any sport uh, in the world. Like, what other sport could you talk to them just no, before sure. they yeah. perform? Yeah. No, but
1: Yeah, it, it is. It's kind of the extremes, though, isn't it? Because yeah. it is the elitist of yeah. the elite, but... I find it like totally open. Yeah. I can't believe it. Even like going up to the paddock club and doing a Q and A like the morning of the Grand Prix yep. or after qu- all, all that sort of stuff, yeah. and just having people in the garage when you stand in the garage and people are kind of wandering around the wandering garage. Around and and be- be- and it's, it's, Don't touch it. Yeah, it's just like so different. So yeah. different. Yeah. So I've, in some ways, they're actually not cut off at all. You could say footballers is a lot more cut off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. I well, I enjoy it. What about your own sort of coaching ambitions? Where do you would you like to, you know, perhaps be manager here or another club? Or and are there? Uh, well, I suppose I'm going to try and combine two questions here because um, Manchester United is always known for sort of bringing in young talent through the ranks. Is that a process that you're involved with at the moment here? Do you know about? Yeah, think we can I'm, get excited yeah, about I'm, I'm in the next few years. Something
1: that I'm interested in. I was. Um when I done my coaching badges I've done it with like the under 13s under 14s so um, and I'm quite interested in that I think because it kind of takes me back to when I was young and kind of what you've gone through with that age group Um it's tough hard. crowd though Yes, yeah, it's a tough crowd <laughs> yeah but it's yeah it's something that I really enjoy and then and this club's the tradition the history of the club is a kind of a responsibility to mm. produce players to get into the first team so it's um you kind of feel that as soon as you hear, and anyway, and obviously being the coach now, I'm trying to link keep that link all together, mm. um, yeah, and hopefully it comes. But yeah, there's definitely a f- sense of responsibility with that. Mm. In terms of where where it leads me, I think I don't want to get ahead of myself, you know. I think it's my f- for my fourth four months into the into the job, into a whole new chapter of my life. So I, I actually don't know where it's going to where it's going to lead to. Mm. Um, trying to learn learned from from some of the best, and it's it's about opportunity as well. You know, mm. when I go back to the start and the crossroads and what path, you know, that that's where I'm at with the coach. You know, I don't know where it's going to lead. I don't think it's will be any good in the, in the long term. Yeah, you know? you you but you know, it's it because it, it, it's new and it's yeah. Just because you're a good players doesn't mean you're going to be a good manager. Or that doesn't go hand in hand. Well, no, Um,
0: I mean, actually look at some of the best managers and they weren't sort of standout players.
1: Even Jose wasn't, you know, he didn't um, play at at a top level uh, at any time. So, yeah, that's that's something else that fascinates me, you know, to see what's around the corner. But I'm not pushing, I'm certainly not pushing for this job right now. Not just yet. You never know,
0: you might get it sooner than you think.
1: (laughs) But it's not like, I'm not, I'm not... um, I would never be blase enough to say I want mm. to do this or that, or I've mm. got a plan to do that. I think I t- I'm just taking a step by step mm. and being quite careful with things. Really.
0: Talking of opportunities, uh, do you have any kind of regrets of missed opportunities with your playing career? Because there's a lot of people that say you should have played more than 34 times for England.
1: Uh, nah, do you know what? I wouldn't, wouldn't no? say it's regret now. There's been frustrations in times when it got to me a little bit, but then other times I'm free. you know what? If you got offered that to me when I was a 10, 12 year old yeah. kid. 30, 30 odd times more country.
0: Yeah. it's a pretty decent haul yeah. but I think a lot of people feel that you're a bit undervalued. Yeah, maybe.
1: maybe. Yeah, but then I look at myself again and think, you know what? Certain times I didn't play well enough when I played for England mm. to then get that next chance. There's other times when I thought I was playing well and I didn't get a chance. You know, I was too short to kind of hang mm. about wondering what, mm. what ifs and why mm. why's and
0: yeah, I,
1: yeah. I'd, I'd yeah, I, I wouldn't say I've regrets. Actually, if at the end of my playing career, I, I wouldn't have changed anything about it. So. Um, apart from winning a bit more, but then that's just, you know, that's how it is, isn't it? You, yeah, can't, win really ev- you can't win. Everything. You can't win everything. But I, I wouldn't have any regrets about it now. Mm.
0: Um, and you touched on the heart condition thing. How, how kind of scary was that? Because that seemed to come out of the blue. I'm sure, not least for you, but certainly for the fans, it was like, what?
1: Yeah, do you know what? I wasn't really. I didn't. I wasn't really scared at all. I was even going through it. I remember mean, it was the Burton game at home. Uh, I started feeling a bit strange and going lightheaded and um kinda just as if the energy just gone on my body and then all of a sudden it had come back to life a couple of minutes later, it was a weird it was a weird feeling. And it kinda made sense after I found out that was the problem, that it's kind of um a regular heartbeat type mm. flood of
0: And that's the first you knew of it? You didn't know anything yeah, yeah. about that no, no, growing nothing. up or
1: No nothing. Well we have we have tests every year at the club. Yeah. Um, Every pre-season we have tests and everything was good as and um, yeah just came out came out the I had a little ten minute one the, the year before but I didn't think I swore I wasn't feeling too well in one of the games.
0: What sort of nauseous? No, All it's like it,
1: um, ended up being dizzy, but it's kind of just like it's, it's tough to explain. It's like just the life comes to out you like almost like you've got no oxygen, like your oxygen stops and it's My just God. kind of like you just just feel weak. That's what it's kind of drained and weak, right. but then all of a sudden I, I would feel all right again, and then I would do a few, couple of little runs, and then it would be, th- and then my my head would go a little bit dizzy and a bit lightheaded. and and it got to the stage um, when the problem came where I thought I, I could kind of end up keeling over here and, <laughs> and fighting, but I, um, and then it, as every time I felt that I, I would feel all right again, it was yeah. a bizarre feeling.
0: And probably like most blokes, you brushed it under the carpet, thought, I'm, I feel okay again I now. I thought, oh, I'll be all right. I thought,
1: yeah. I thought there was something, there was obviously something. Mm. And, I, and I told the doc when I went I went, Doc remember that, because I had told the doc the first time. And I went, remember that last year, about like 10 minutes, I felt a bit before I said, I got it again. And he went, all right, okay, come here, we'll have a check. Put, put us in the medical room after the game. Um, put all the monitors on me and stuff. Um, noticed a little bit of something. And even then I was like... Uh, Right. I, f- I felt fine then because mm. it kind of had worn off and i was all right got the paramedics in and they ran they went and got under the machine at ecg thing they said oh there's something that's popping up here but even then i didn't it was weird i didn't i was, not, I was like oh doc can i just go on please i just want to go on right? mm. now you've got go to go hospital I was more of a nuisance than anything <laughs> i was like hospital really come on i just want to go on and uh and then he went, yeah, you got to go hospital. I said, all right, I'll meet you there then. He went, no, no, you not, you're not, you can't. you got to go in the ambulance. I was like, what? You what? I was like, you oh wind me God. up. I was like, you wind me up, dog, come on. You must have
0: got scared just, at that point. No, a was just, bit.
1: honestly, it was more of a, oh, come on, dog, just let me drive, I'm fine. Like, I, I yeah. felt 100% by, by then. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they'd done some more tests and whatever. And then I, I trained a few days later because they said, look, it might never happen again. Um, and with the kind of the one made, one... Detection if you like to say yeah. it might never happen again, or if it's going to happen again, it'll happen again, and then we'll do something about it. It wasn't like a serious problem; it was more of a kind of a nuisance. So they like.
0: didn't. So they didn't think it could be fatal. No, because no. you do. You know, obviously, yeah. there's there's no, there it are a, of a, cases. Of... It
1: was more of a for what you kind know, of I went through. It was more of a case of like go and see, kind of
0: but you Probably did go. have a procedure You had a I had procedure because I yeah. trained a
1: few days later and then I the think it just came back exactly right. feeling the same so I said that now, I we've got to do something about it and yeah. then I had the procedure Yeah, um, cardiac ablation it's called right. um, and to go kind of through your groin put it away and zap it's like the zap part of your heart to kind of some complicated procedure but it's, it's quite common actually mm. since I've had it quite a few people have said oh yeah I know but I've had that or whatever Um but it was anything. enough for you
0: to not to wanna to keep playing or did you feel like you were nearing the end of your playing days anyway?
1: Um well I ended up coming back up, that was the October, November time. Um and at first he said, "Oh, three, for a cardiac ablation I've I've had people play three weeks. So I was oh buzzing three weeks, like I was just kind of a sportsman, I was just a knock, like, almost like an op and you're I'll be back in three weeks, brilliant. Yeah. Um so I had that in my head. because it was a bit of a um, complication because they couldn't act ex- they find the um the kind of Your the heart. exact half yeah, <laughs> <heart. laughs> size of a pea you told me you were cold <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah they couldn't find the exact um flood or, uh, I don't no, know how no. to explain it yeah, they couldn't yeah. Ex- the f- the f- uh, ves- mm. the vessel actually where where it was yeah. going so yeah. he's zapped around it a bit but then they've, they've done some other tests in the re- cuz taking it back the second time I had the um so I, f- I had it in the game, and then I trained a few days later, but I had a monitor on when I was training, and it went up to 280-odd beats a minute in my heart.
0: Oh, my God.
1: But I only found that out the night before the operation because the tests had come back. So then they done more tests when I was in. So that ablation that was going to be three weeks back kind of got a bit more complicated by then. Right. So then it was never going to be three weeks, and it went on for, for, I don't know what it was in the end, three months or something right. before I got back. But I was just determined that I knew i'd I knew I'd finish at the end of that season, but i was I wanted to get back to a level of fitness, so I was like, you know at least mm. I've got back and that hasn't finished me, you know, yeah, um, so I managed to come back and play two or three more games and mm. then but i was I was nowhere near it really I couldn't really? just my age I was too old, you know no, but perfect. Uh, having that having that period of time out to then get to a level of fitness of of mm. being right at the top again mm. um I never really got back to that, Mm. but I was quite content in the end. You know, I played a couple of games and I finished kind of fit. uh, And it was my decision and I've not missed one day since. I've really not missed Mm. football at all, which kind of tells me that it was a natural finish. Because I think that's the hardest
0: thing for most sports people, isn't it? It's finally choosing the right time to retire.
1: 100%. So I kind of count myself quite lucky in that respect. that I've never, even even going out with the lads and stuff and, and... every day training and, and, and obviously on the coaching I'm not one day of I thought oh, I wouldn't mind getting involved today. it yeah. I've not missed it so I'm fortunate in that respect mm.
0: um, From the physical to the mental now we, we've recently marked uh, World Mental Health Day and you talk about the fact that you really struggled after the 2009 Champions League final losing yeah. it um, just tell us about that
1: Yeah I mean it's, 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 it's str- a strange thing um to go through to be honest for me mm. it was um, come to United and for three years we, we had a great three years everything was we were flying we won three leagues we, we had won the Champions League the year before we were in another Champions League final and um, and we lost that one game And but I don't know I just, after that game I was so so down after the game kind of that such a great opportunity no one had ever won Champions Leagues back to back so it was a chance to do that and it was And kind of the the fact that we had won it the year before almost was irrelevant then. It was like we had lost this game and it was a lost chance to win the Champions League, which is kind of right at the top of Mm. of kind of what you can possibly do. And um, It just hit me really hard and I don't know why. I don't know to this day, I don't know really why. And it hit me hard and I struggled to deal with that somewhere and all I could think I was down about losing the game. And And it just kind of lasted for probably a year over a year but that wasn't the the only reason that one mm. game but it kind of just spiralled a little bit after mm. that and um, you know the way it's come out a little bit and people are saying "Oh, the depre- it's kind of depression alongside the Champions League final like, mm. I'm kind of a little bit uncomfortable with that because mm. it doesn't seem fair to kind of put depression with a Champions League final if you know what I mean it's yeah, kind but of it's all relative no isn't it? it's relative and mm. probably I probably was depressed mm. but then to say do you understand what I'm getting to I, to- I totally do because yeah it's like it's quite a big thing and I yeah.
0: well you don't uh, want to you don't want to sound like you're belittling someone else with depression but I think everybody's case is yeah unique.
1: I think everyone's different and it wasn't I don't think it was the case of just that final I think maybe mm. it was just the time and I was whether it was kind of almost an exhaustion of coming to United and, and kind of pushed myself so hard for mm. them few years of just literally everything giving everything mm. everything, and then I just that one and then just dropped off the edge and I just mm. kind of was I couldn't cope with it mm. Um so I struggled foot, my football I was, played terrible that next season but it wasn't so much just it wasn't the fact that I was just playing terrible I just kind of just got f- down with it all I was almost this years off. if it had finished then I'd be like Do you know what I had enough of football. i can't mm. just come to the end. I've had enough. Um, I never really got to that end, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was thinking at a stage, you know what, if I finish tomorrow. You know. yeah. um, but it was. So, that, it's just yeah, as I said, to use that as a kind of depression when it's put alongside the Champions League final makes me a bit uncomfortable. But the fact that it, it, it wasn't just that, yeah. it was well, kind that, of. It went deeper than that, yeah. you know? So it
0: was, that was obviously a catalyst. You yeah,
1: know. it was a catalyst, and, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was tough, but I, I was gone back quite being quite stubborn really, and i didn't uh, didn't really share it with many people i mean Lisa knew Lisa knew my mum and dad knew, but I didn't let on to them the full extent. My brother knew a little bit, but could try to just maybe i don't know if it's old school you just trying toll just get, I'll deal with it myself and mm. get through it, which is not really the right thing to do i mm. don't think but and,
0: and has it helped opening up about it I don't mean today I just mean yeah, generally like no, I don't know what,
1: to be honest i I' come through it it was probably about a year. Eighteen months maybe, and then um, it got to a stage I was just craving playing well again and having that feeling before the Champions League final, where kind of I was playing well, we were winning, and everything mm. was good again. And that's mm. kind of the feeling that I was craving all this time.
0: Mm. Um, I mean, that's a massive high that most of us will never, will ever experience. Yeah. So we can't begin to understand what then the contrast afterwards would mm. have been—that massive drop, as yeah. you say, falling off a cliff almost.
1: And then there's a question of kind of doubting yourself yeah. of, of am I actually any good anymore? Am I good mm-hmm. enough to play at this level? Of, and, and then it starts off with that little question, little question, anything mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it becomes bigger and snowballs, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it, but then I came out of it, as I say, 80 months down the and and then it was like one or two games I played and then all of a sudden that feeling came back where I felt free, it was like a click of a finger moment type and then Almost never looked back. And I'm like, mm. how was I ever feeling like that? And I've never felt like it since. It was.
0: It lasted a long time. Yeah, it was. A,
1: it was a long time to the stage where 2010 was the summer after the World Cup of England, and I was. Mm. I remember. Um. time Melissa just saying, I just want to go home. I've had no, I don't want to be here. Mm. And I would. I would never have got to the stage where I left the England squad at the World Cup, but it was. That's how I was feeling. I just was counting down the days really to getting home. So that was probably one of the lowest bits, and then kind of gradually got better again after that.
0: And, and do you think that you were playing badly because of your mindset, like, or do you think your mindset was making you play badly? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does make sense. Um,
0: was big? I web? don't
1: know which one. It, well, I think in the end, they're both killing each other. <laughs> do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it obviously started off with the, the final, and then I blamed myself. Not blame myself, but I was on myself and and then beat myself up over things I'd done in the game, which it's a game of football, really. But are
0: so you're part of a team. I mean, yeah, were w- yeah. others around you feeling the same? Do you think?
1: I think we were all. I think we all. It's, it's a massive disappointment to mm. lose, um, and maybe in the past that that kind of disappointment and that effect losing had on us was we used that to spur us on to kind mm. of bounce back that was almost a motivation mm. but this time we just never got to that flip side of using it as motivation it was kind of dragging me down too much right
0: um so what i mean i guess this must happen all the time we just don't hear about it i mean sometimes people stand up and talk about it mm. what advice would you give to young men and women who who might be feeling the same just just talking help i think talking
1: helps yeah i think talking helps um it's difficult to say because I think probably if I'd have spoken to someone I might have came out of a to that a lap feeling over time probably sooner mm. or it might not have got as bad. Mm. Um but I I didn't speak to anyone about it. I just kinda shuffled on and found my way through it really. Um, then but then I I would say yeah, definitely speak to someone. Um and I've had a I've had a, a, quite an, I say a nice response. It's not not nice to hear people don't, reaching for help but mm. even since it came out around this week the interviews and stuff mm. that I've had people contact me and saying that's exactly what I was mm. going through can we have a chat or which I didn't I didn't talk about it for that reason no. I talked about it just because that was kind of part of my story but mm. um flip side or you know the other side of it is like if if it can help people and if I can help people then
0: Definitely, then there's yeah. something in it, you know. Yeah. But, um, why I'm not a counsellor by any means, w- but I'll
1: just, you know, well. try and try and help when you can. Yeah.
0: But if people can see one of their footballing heroes going through something that they have, then mm-hmm. you know it shows that we're all just human.
1: It's, it goes, it goes back, yeah. Like we were saying about the players, and when you play a well before, and you say, like, you know, there's human element, there's mistakes mm-hmm. happening. It's and people deal with it all different ways, and I'm sure there's there's lads that have had tough times and careers. and Tougher than me, you know. I'm, I'm not saying I was the worst off by any means. That was i I'm just telling my story how, mm. how how I felt, But um yes, highs and lows of sport, eh?
0: Mm. Why did it feel right to talk about it now? Yeah. Because you came out the other side, do you think you think but if you were still in I it? Because I came you? out the other yeah. side,
1: I think. Because I came out the other side and kind of, that chapter of my life's closed mm. as well, the plain side. Mm. Um I was it was never a case of shall I talk about it, shall I not. It was always I plan for some time really to do a, a book when I finished for a few reasons really, for to, for my kids for like family to have, I think it's quite a nice thing to mm. to have um, obviously now it's for the foundation all the proceeds of the foundation, so that's another reason um,
0: And what does and, the foundation support?
1: Um, child projects in Manchester and in Newcastle, which kind of the are two main homes, if you like um, and something something that I'm really proud of and kind of passionate about so mm. um, that's been going since the testimonial so I was the catalyst for that and then obviously doing the book I thought sort of, there was no brain after because I'm not doing the book for any other reason apart from telling my own story and mm. having it for myself and my family yeah. and uh, hoping making some, some money for the foundation as well so um, but it was never a case of shall I speak about the kind of depressed side of it or not it was I'm c- totally comfortable speaking about it. It was never, mm. never really an issue in that regard because I think because it happened feels like so long ago now mm. as well, and I kind of feel that like I came out of it. And, um, just felt natural to talk about, really.
0: And do you feel stronger for it?
1: I definitely feel stronger for it. Yeah, it's mm. like you were saying earlier, when you have the tough times, you learn more about yourself, and yeah. kind of when you come out the other side, you always come out the other side feeling that bit stronger than you probably went in. Mm. So. 100% once I, once that switch flicked and I kind of felt myself again I felt myself kind of again but with some on top you know mm.
0: what keeps you awake at night now
1: it can be Netflix.
0: The next yeah. three points. The next three points? <laughs> the
1: next three points. So you yeah. now,
0: you, do you feel I like you're I do find myself thinking waking, up, a, wake, wake, waking up in the
1: middle of the night and like making little bits of notes next to my <laughs> bed because things are popping in my head about <laughs> football, yeah. coaching, or speaking to someone, or doing this or doing that, which I've never... I'm a good sleeper in general, and I always always have been like a really good sleeper, but there is times now where the odd time in night I'm waking up before I go to bed and I'm like... <laughs> Is this how it's going to be?
0: <laughs> so, do you, you feel like you have switched to a coaching totally mindset now? You're a manager. 100% wow, hundred yeah.
1: percent. And so, you
0: didn't wake up thinking about the next three points as a player. No,
1: you... never. That's interesting. No, yeah. and I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because you feel like you've got more of an element more control if you're playing in the game. Mm. Um, totally different as a, as a coach. It's so different. Um, but now as a player, I, I used to sleep. The only night before game, maybe sometimes a bit, a little bit restless. But that's mm. just. But other than that, now nah, I sleep like a baby. Just loves his sleep and then deep sleep. Room. I do like my sleep anyway. But now it's a little bit different.
0: Um, what sort of coach can you? What sort of manager can you envision yourself being? Like who? Who could would you most kind of align yourself to in terms of the way you manage? The players, because I think it's one thing having a style of football is another thing altogether mm. being a decent man manager. But you seem yeah. quite a perceptive bloke, you seem to be able to. I think you've got to be yourself, haven't you? Mm. I think
1: within kind of mm. a boundary. Um, that's what I've always found with coaching managers over the years like you can't try to be something that you're not. I think people see through that and actually doesn't work in the long run I think mm. you've got you've got to be what you are and your personality kind of shines through I think that's the respect thing is um what style I don't know I, I, Did I you pick up little like bits? 20 years and then you yeah, have yeah, to ask yeah, yeah. the players oh, actually yeah. what style was yeah, it yeah. it's difficult for, for, for me to kind of say that really I just try and be myself but yeah you just got to gauge you the balance mm. between arm around the shoulder or a little Little liven up, you know, a little, little jab in the ribs, yeah, just a little liven them up. It's that's something that you just got to sense. I don't think there's anyone that can really teach you that
0: because you definitely talk about Harry Redknapp being much more of a carrot than a stick approach, like he really encouraged you, and it you know, right you grew storm, yeah. two inches every time he yeah. complimented you, yeah. boosted you.
1: No, I think that's massive. I think Sir Alex used to say as well, to be fair, you give youth a the chance, they'll always. They'll always feel that bond of wanting to do well for you. Mm. I remember him saying that quite a long time ago, and I, I see that because I've had that with Harry. You know, there's always, no matter what's happened. Then I've nearly signed for him once or twice since then, but it didn't happen. But there was always that he gave him a chance, you know, mm. and I kind of owe a lot to him just for that. So I do get that, um, and I think that I am a big believer in giving the giving the, the youth a chance because mm. you, you never know what they've got until, until you let them let them fly, you know.
0: Brilliant. Well, listen. Wish you all the best with it. We will, we will watch and support from the sidelines for many years to come when you're managing <laughs> and winning trophies here at Manchester oh, United. Hopefully. Hopefully. And in the meantime, come to a few more races, will you?
1: Yeah, I need to actually. I need to. Well, it's not really conducive for managing a no. coaching, to be honest. I need Singapore and I want Austin as well. I've not been to any of them. Okay. And Australia, first one. You don't want
0: much, though. Day. No, I'm not after much.
1: <laughs> no, one day, one day.
0: Thank you for your time today. Well, I really hoped you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed talking to Michael. I think the thing that really struck me was just how modest and down-to-earth and humble he still is, despite everything he's achieved in football. And even when he was talking about depression, he almost felt a bit embarrassed and guilty labelling it as such, in case in some way that undermined or belittled somebody else's plight. But for me, it was so important that he did because here's somebody who is... Loved by football fans the world over and has seemingly got it all, you know, lovely family, great life, and yet still struggled with depression. So it goes to show that everybody's fight is unique. And if he can inspire or help even one person to deal with mental health issues, then it will be worth him talking out. So that was great. Um, actually, when we left the training ground, um, he stopped and spoke to pretty much everyone we walked past security guards. Cleaning lady, uh, the lady behind reception. So, yeah, there's no doubt he is a very popular, decent human being. So, Michael, thank you for your time and thank you guys for listening. Um, please rate, review, subscribe, let me know what you think, and we'll be back with our next In the Pink podcast very soon. But until then, bye bye.